So there's a story about a man whose great ambition was to become a general in the army. He imagined all the attention that he would get, everybody saluting him, somebody to drive him around, all the advantages of that high rank. One day, he reached his goal. He was promoted to Brigadier General. The next day, he moved into his new office, sat behind his big wooden desk. He could feel the power emanating from that office. His aide walked in and said, there's a man here to see you, the general said. Send him right in. He thought, I'm gonna impress this man with how important I am, how much power I have. So he turned around and he picked up the phone and he pretended that he was talking to the President of the United States. He said, Mr. President, I understand what you're saying to me. I think that's a good idea. I can tell you that I will share that with the Secretary of Defense when I see him tomorrow. Thank you for calling. Goodbye, sir, hangs up the phone turned around and saw this ordinary soldier standing there and the general barked at him. What can I do for you, young man? Nothing, sir. I'm just here to hook up your phone. <laughs> I have to say, I know a brigadier general and they're not all like that. Power, control, and oh, to look good in front of everyone. The seven verses that we embrace this morning comes after, of, as Father Christopher pointed out last week, the crux of Mark's story. And now we find ourselves on the way to Jerusalem, the cross and the empty tomb. Before, reading, um, before the reading for today, Jesus has already predicted his death one time. And today, we hear it again. The text tells us that Jesus was teaching his disciples when he tells them that he will be betrayed, killed, and he will rise again. But they didn't understand it, and their silence speaks volumes. I can relate to that. Can you? Do you remember being in a classroom, not understanding what the, in the world the teacher was talking about, and you really wanted to raise your hand and ask the question, but you were just too embarrassed to do so? Because I just recently graduated, I have quite a few of these memories right here and fresh in my head. My first semester at Duke, I took Greek. I was in a classroom, I was the oldest one, I'll say that, and I was in the classroom full of young, smart, eager students. And my teacher was a brilliant PhD student who was taking Coptic just for fun. Can't imagine. But so many times, I didn't understand how those verb endings were working and how to translate them. And I wanted to raise my hand Sometimes I did, but oftentimes I didn't. I was just too embarrassed. I felt small 
and oftentimes I wanted to give up. And that's why I decided to take it pass or fail. But I chose to stay quiet when I could have asked the question. Because we know how this story ends. We might think, good Lord, disciples, y'all are a bunch of cotton-headed ninny-muggins. That's from Elf, if you haven't seen it. And you've been with Jesus all this time. And he's been trying to tell you what's going on. And you still don't get it. You still don't get it. And on their way to Capernaum, they were debating about who was going to be the greatest. Who was going to be at Jesus's right hand man when he was ruling his kingdom? Who was going to be the secretary of state or the secretary of treasury when Jesus becomes king? Their understanding of God and the Messiah was all about power and prestige. Sometimes when we see power, we see people who are served by others. I read that in ancient China, it was fashionable for wealthy men to grow their fingernails so long that their hands were basically unusable for basic tasks. This demonstrated that they did not need to do anything for themselves. A servant was always there to wait on them. In their world, that meant that they were great and powerful. Competition for power and wealth and prestige infected all of the cultures in the Roman Empire, just as it does today in our own. Jesus heard this whole debate, and Jesus could have said, Hey, dummies, I'm the greatest. But that's not what he did at all. Knowing what they were arguing about, he asked the question, what are y'all arguing about? And you know he said y'all. And you know what he gets? Again, crickets, silence. It must have been difficult for those disciples when they realized that even in their silence, Jesus somehow knew what they were talking about. Just as it is for us to come to the realization that our lives are open before God. There's nothing that God does not see. After he speaks and asks the question, he doesn't bark at them and he doesn't wag his finger in disappointment. Instead, he sat down with them. He sat down with them. When Jesus sat with them, it showed them that he had something important to say. He had something to teach them. When a rabbi was teaching as a rabbi, as a master teaches his scholars and disciples, when he was really making a pronouncement, he sat down with them to teach. Jesus deliberately took up the position of a rabbi for teaching his students before he spoke. He was preparing them for their discipleship journey. I find it interesting that James, who we heard from earlier today in the epistle lesson, was probably one of those that was there with Jesus that day. 
So when James exhorts his readers about the dangers of self-ambition and envy, he is truly speaking from experience. He might have been one of those ones that was debating on who would be the greatest. He walked with Jesus and he learned that a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace for those who make peace. Jesus goes on to say, whoever wants to be first must be last of all and servant of all. What? The text doesn't allow for questions or murmurings from the disciples. Jesus then goes on to illustrate his point. He gets a little boy to come over to him and takes him in his arms. We have to pause here for a moment and see the radical nature of this. You see, children and servants were seen as having the lowest of low status. Children brought nothing to the table. They lived the epitome of the life that children were to be seen and not heard. Children in that time were regarded as non-persons or not yet persons, possessions of their father in the household. We have all seen the sweet picture of Jesus holding the little one with other little children in his lap all across Christian education buildings in our country. But I believe what Jesus was doing here was bigger than just holding a sweet little innocent boy. This little boy represents the lowest of the low. He was probably dirty and smelly. I imagine him with a little snot running down his nose and gross fingernails. The, the, The disciples probably thought, What is this kid even doing in here? Where did he come from? But by taking him into his arms, Jesus gave the disciples and us a visual example of how to be one of his disciples. By taking the boy in his arms and holding him up, He was giving us a picture of what it's like to live in God's kingdom, a kingdom that cares about each other, especially those who are nobodies. So holding this little boy, Jesus says, whoever welcomes me, one such, whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me welcomes not me, but the one who sent me. The word welcome can also be translated as receive. Just Jesus has turned everything the disciples had been taught upside down. Jesus embraced, he received this little boy that had nothing to offer to him. He says, See this little guy that's considered last? This is my translation. See this little guy that is considered last? He's at the bottom. When you welcome him, you are welcoming me. When you receive this little guy who has no power and no privilege, when you make space in your life for those like him, you are welcoming me. 
and the one who sent me. When you welcome the weak and the helpless, you welcome me. If you want to be first, you must become like this little child who serves others. Jesus has taken everything the disciples had been taught or that the disciples had thought about what a kingdom was like and he shook it up and he reshaped it into an incredible kingdom about love and compassion and grace and mercy. Jesus sat with the disciples to teach them and he embraced a little boy with no status as a living example that his kingdom is about welcoming and serving others. Ultimately, Jesus came to serve us with his life. He came to earth and put our needs first. We needed someone to redeem us and Jesus did that for us on the cross. Jesus has welcomed us just as he has welcomed that little boy. The father who sent him has welcomed us. And it's because of that that we can and should welcome each other. All that God has done in Christ Jesus' agony and resurrection has worked together for good for you and for me. At our baptism, God says, welcome to the kingdom. And at the table, God says, welcome to my table. I will serve you exactly what you need today. Bring your empty hands, your nothingness, and I will receive you and you will receive me. Amen.